The second reading is taken from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 17, verses 11 to 19. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And they went, and as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Martin Luther, in the 16th century when many changes were taking place within the church, was once asked to describe the nature of true worship. His answer, the tenth leper turning back. And that's what this healing account is all about. It's all about the response that follows. It's all about worship. So let's think about what actually happened and where it took place. We're told that Jesus was travelling to Jerusalem on the border between Galilee and Samaria. And since these places border each other, then there's nothing technically separating the two. So you can tell that Jesus is entering divisive territory. There was tension between Samaritans and Jews, as we know. They looked upon each other negatively. You can tell this is going to be interesting. This encounter happened in the middle space, where you would expect tension between the two religious groups to be. He was on his way to Jerusalem, to the cross, And the encounters he had along the way reveal something of the nature of the kingdom that he was to establish there. Much of what happened in this scene is quite typical of one of Jesus' healing. There was a plea from those wanting to be healed, followed by an instruction to do something, followed by obedience to that instruction, and Jesus healing the person who asked for healing, which is then followed by the person who's been healing, healed even, giving thanks to Jesus, or at least one of them did. So Jesus says, where are the other nine? Well, you might answer, well, you told them to go to the priest, so that's where they've gone. So why does Jesus ask that question? Well, by asking that question, he draws our attention to the fact that the one who returned was a Samaritan, or a foreigner, as he puts it. And it's him returning to Jesus to thank him. It's that which is true worship. As we know, there were ten lepers who stood far off. We know the significance of that. We know what that meant for those men. There were priests who would inspect people who were thought to have leprosy. And they would decide whether or not they should be cast out, whether they should be outcasts. And whether they had to live on the edges of society to avoid infecting other people. We knew that they had to cry out, unclean, unclean. And they spent their time alone or with other people who had leprosy. 
who were also isolated from their friends and their family. We can tell they were isolated people because it took place, this healing account took place on the border. It's not so much, also it's more than a geographic issue, it's a symbolic one as well. In fact, there's debate as to whether this is the place where it actually did happen because going to Jerusalem, it would be an odd place, an odd route for Jesus to take. But it shows us that these lepers were marginalised people. They were nobodies, they were living on the fringes, and it was to be assumed that even God ignored them. Leprosy was attributed to sin, and it was considered to be God's judgment upon them. And the fact that at least one, perhaps more of what more than one, was a Samaritan, the foreigners that the Jews looked down upon because they didn't accept the traditional Jewish scripture, they were of mixed heritage. Only some of them will have had Israelite origin. Well, that meant that they were outcasts as well. Lepers would spend time with each other as they weren't allowed to mix with other people. And here we have Jewish ones and Samaritan ones mixing. They normally wouldn't mix, but because of the uh, stark difference in background, but because they both had leprosy, because they all have leprosy, that was kind of a leveller. So they're all inflicted. So even Jews and Samaritans spent time together. And they stood far off, quite simply because they weren't allowed to come close. You can imagine by now, Jesus has been doing his healing miracles. He already healed a leper earlier on. They probably heard what Jesus was doing. They probably wanted to go and find him, but they couldn't because they had to stay on the outskirts of the city. So it was quite something that they even saw Jesus passing by. Have mercy on us, they cried out. They didn't say heal us or anything like that, but have mercy on us. They wanted to be made well again. They had no hope of that really happening until Jesus came along because it wasn't something that could be done. There was one time, like I said, where Jesus had healed a leper, but by touching him. And here instead, he just told them to go and show themselves to the priest. And we're told in verse 14 that as they went, they were cleansed. Now that's interesting because they had to respond to what Jesus had told them. They had to do what he'd said before the healing took place. They had to set off to the priest, believing that the healing would happen. And on their way, they were indeed healed. It was in their obedience to Jesus that healing took place, as is often the case in the miracles of Jesus that we hear about. If someone was healed from leprosy, they had the right and proper thing was to go and be inspected by a priest. That was in line with Jewish traditions. It was what you had to do to be accepted back into society again. Now imagine that you have an illness that stops you from living with your family. It stops you going to public places or earning a living, so you've got to live in poverty. Imagine that illness taking away your self-worth, as you can't do what you'd like to do, despite your capability and capacity to work or do good. Then imagine that someone instantly cures you. How would you react? Well, that response is what is key. Put yourself in the place of the ten. You've been isolated for goodness knows how long. It could have been years for all we know. 
They've been walking toward the priests as they've been told to. And we don't know at what stage, but they were healed. It could have been after a few steps, or they could have been almost at the temple gates. We just don't know. But if that happened to you, you'd want to get to the priest as fast as you can so that you could be clean again, so that you could be reunited with your family that you've been isolated from. They'd have been over the moon. They were free at last, and you can imagine them running off to see a husband, a wife, a parent that they'd not seen for ages, to see a son or a daughter or a grandparent or a friend that they'd not seen for what felt like forever. You could imagine them running off to go and tend to their field, their garden, see what state the fishing boat is in, check on the cattle and see how things were ticking along. You could imagine their excitement to be well again, something that they thought would never happen. They'd be wherever it was they wanted to be in an instant. But one of them, well, one of them returned. Only one returned to fall at Jesus' feet and worship him and thank him. And that same word that is used for return is the same that's used for repentance. It shows a full about turn, a whole 180 degrees turning around, a total change of direction. And that man glorified God. He worshipped him in a loud voice. And Jesus asked, where are the other nine? We're not ten healed. Where are the other nine? Only you, a Samaritan, a foreigner, are you the only ones who have returned to say thank you? And then he said, go in peace, your faith has made you well. And I think it's interesting, like I hinted at before, that Jesus asks where the other nine are. Because, of course, he told them to go into see the priest in the first place so why would he ask where they are but why didn't the nine thank him hadn't he just made them well hadn't he totally changed their life hadn't he changed their future from one that was bleak to one that had hope hadn't he enabled them to return to their family and friends to attend worship in the jerusalem temple to take up paid employment and live as free men Were they not overcome with gratitude? They'd been willing to do what Jesus had told them. They'd been willing to go into the town, knowing what risk that would mean, because they weren't allowed into the town. They could have been driven out. But they knew it was Jesus who'd made them better. So why didn't they thank him? Were they just rude? Or did they not even have the good manners to thank the person who'd given them back their life and their livelihood and their future? Well, surely that was normal, wasn't it? People throughout the Bible were healed and went off praising God, but they didn't necessarily come back to thank Jesus. Many were healed and seemingly seemingly forgot about the one who did the healing. We see some come back, but many just go off when they've been restored. They forget all about it, so what is the big deal? Well, maybe, maybe with the nine, it's just that they were only religious. They only cared about God as long as they needed God. That is, the lepers were in effect shouting, have mercy on us, Lord, we need you. But after they were healed, they didn't need God anymore. We've surely seen that at some point, haven't we? People who are struggling with something call out to God to help. But when life gets back to normal, God is forgotten. People cry out to a God 
to God in crisis, but not necessarily when things are ticking along nicely. As one scholar said, the result and irony of the miracle was to drive these lepers away from God. When they needed God, they were close to God. But when they didn't need God, they were off busy being well. They were off busy being well. That's a bit harsh, isn't it? I only say that because I'm sure it's something we can all relate to or recognise. We can understand what that might be like. The nine lepers, or ex-lepers, were so busy being well. They'd been separated from their family and friends and work due to the quarantine. And now they were free to return to those relationships. And they become busy being well. They had to rush to see their parent, their brother or sister, their other family members. They had to rush back to their field, to their garden, to their fishing boats, to check on their cattle. All those people and places that they hadn't seen for so long. They were so busy being well that they no longer had time to feel thanksgiving or to express thanks to Jesus. I'm sure that resonates with many of us as we understand that quite clearly. I'm sure we've, understand, we've understood and we've experienced at some point being too busy to have a life of inner gratitude towards God. We start the day first thing in the morning, we hit the ground running day after day, flopping to bed exhausted, with barely a prayer said throughout the day. Words of gratitude, feelings of gratitude. Busy, Lord. Very busy being well. Sorry about that. And the ultimate tragedy is that the nine lepers got the healing, but not the healer. They experienced the miracle, but not the miracle worker. They received the gift, but didn't know the love of the giver. That's the real tragedy of the nine. They missed the true blessing. That is, they got the miracle, but they didn't discover the miracle worker who so enormously blessed them. How quickly, when we're healed, do we forget the healer? How often, when we're in a tricky situation, do we cling to Jesus? But how quickly do we forget him once help comes? How often do we lose sight of what happened and lose sight of the mercy that Jesus has shown in our lives. Some of us have been Christians for so long that we've forgotten how much we've been saved by the Christian faith. Perhaps it's time to think about the fact that when we were called to follow Jesus, we know that he healed us, that he died for us, that he gave us everything we have, and he gave himself so that we might live. It's our job to share that with others, but it's our job to devote our lives to him. How have we thanked him? By working hard to live as Jesus would have us live in this day and age. By giving him our lives as a glad response of gratitude. By coming to church to regularly join in worship with God's people to God. Well, collective worship isn't simply about hearing God's story and praising God but it's about seeing God at work in our lives and in the world and letting our praise and thanks to him affect the way we live our lives, the whole of our lives. Worship is a whole life thing and it's about relationship. Relationship with the one who does the healing in the first place. At the outset of this story, 10 men are stuck. They live 
between regions in no man's land, being socially, religiously and physically unclean. By the end of the story, all ten are made well, but one has something more. He's recognised his blessing and rejoiced in it and changed his course of action and behaviour. And because he really knows what has happened, the leper is not just healed, but is made whole, restored, drawn back into relationship with God and with humanity. When we focus on the one who returned, it's pointed out that he's a Samaritan. This makes his gratitude to God all the more remarkable, since normally no Samaritan would appeal to a Jewish teacher for help, let alone thank him afterwards. As such, he was twice scorned, twice rejected, twice removed from community. As a leper, he was unclean ritually, and therefore, to be isolated, he, no, an object, no doubt, of revulsion and fear on the part of his neighbours. And a Samaritan, as a Samaritan, he'd have been seen as an outsider, a despised one at that. Perhaps this Samaritan leper suffered more, and so his healing brought about a deeper sense of gratitude. Perhaps that's why he thanked Jesus and the others didn't. Perhaps the others took the healing almost for granted, whereas this man, doubly outcast, realised the scale of what had happened. His gratitude knew no bounds, and he was now willing to sacrifice everything. The fact is, we don't know why he came back. And in a sense, Luke isn't that bothered about it. He may have been more interested in portraying the boundaries of God's grace. Boundaries that in Christ will include all people. After all, the lepers are not told to bypass the religious authorities and religious rituals of the day. But boundaries that ultimately will expand to include even those that a world defines as unclean, foreign or impure. Luke seems to be telling us a story that about daring boundary crossing. Daring both on the part of Jesus and of the Samaritan. And Jesus says to the Samaritan, your faith has made you well. It can be translated in the message version as your faith has healed and saved you. Or the King James version says your faith has made you whole. However we translate it, one thing is clear. This is more than a mere physical washing or a mere healing. Wholeness looks at the whole person. He's made whole in heart as well as physically. This is more than just an external thing. This one leper got so much more than the other nine. This man went to the priest and was declared clean. He went to Jesus, who said, you're not just clean on the outside, your faith has made you whole. When we ask for forgiveness... When we're cleansed, Jesus makes us whole. So we need to think, do we want to be made whole? Do we want to worship God like truly, worship God with every part of our being? We could all look at how God has given us so much. We have lots to be thankful for. This leper was sincere in his worship. He knew the difference that Jesus made to him. His purpose from then on was to worship and glorify God. So that's what he did. He worshipped. We need to glorify God in our wholeness. We need to surrender all that we have and are to him. 
Nine lepers that day went on with their lives. One thanked Jesus. His life changed completely. Jesus gave him a new life he couldn't ever have imagined possible. He changed his life from being hopeless to being made whole again. He made the impossible possible, as he has a habit of doing. And you know what? It doesn't really matter where the nine are. We shouldn't worry too much about them. They've been healed just like the one who had, that returned had. But they never saw the grace that had been shown. Only one fully understood the significance of what had happened. Only one truly saw the grace and understood it. So my question is, do we understand the grace that has been shown to us? Where is the impact of that grace on our lives? What does the forgiveness of sins and the grace shown to us by Jesus now make possible for us to do? Or are we too busy being well? Don't be too busy being well to understand the extent to which we've been shown grace in our lives. Don't miss out on a relationship with the miracle worker. Instead, let's worship God with everything we have and are because we live in a relationship with him who healed us. Let's pray. Father God, we're sorry when we lose our focus. We're sorry when we're so busy not to worship you as we should. Lord, help us to live as whole life disciples. Help us to follow you in everything that we do. Amen.